on GT Channel with Sam Itani, James McKeon, and Taro Koki. Hello, hello, hello. We are here live, sort of, from uh, uh, Los Angeles, California, where there's still some smoke in the air, but it's getting clearer. Uh, as always, I am joined by James McKeon, uh, the host of uh, No Breaking Podcast, and Taro Koki. Uh, the producer of GT Channel, who makes all this possible. And guys, we are on number 28, Podspeed, episode number 28. What, I think we've we've done this, what, for about a year and a half, you guys said? We're almost, almost two years. Yeah, almost two years. Almost two years. And would you guys have ever believed we would last this long? Yeah. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> of course, what are you talking about? Most of us would drop out or whatever. <laughs> But I think the reason we have lasted this long is because the quality of our guests and the ones that Taro finds most of the time. And today, he keeps that streak alive with Mr. Larry Chen, who's also in L.A., California. But uh, I think he's uh, bouncing around the whole of the country of the world now. But um, uh, welcome, Larry. Thanks nice. for having me. And then so, Taro, I'm going to go ahead and just hand it over to you. All right. Thanks, man. Larry, uh, welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, most of you guys already know uh, Larry, uh, Larry Chen. I've, I've known Larry for a, a long time now, but um, Larry's just one of the busiest photographers in the industry. Um, he's absolutely killing it, um, not just in drifting, but in off-road, drag racing. I mean, you name it, you're, you're shooting cars all over the place. Um, happy to have you on the show. Um, how's it going, Larry? It's good. It's good. And, um, you know, I'm not globe trotting anymore. Obviously, there's no globe to trot. <laughs> it's just pretty much in the U.S. Uh, but we're so lucky. Uh, as of recently, you know, more states have been opening up, and we've been shooting more. You know, after we shot the first Formula Drift uh, season opener doubleheader, mm -hmm. it seems like it's just been pretty crazy since then. You know, we we also had a chance to shoot Pikes Peak. Mm -hmm. um, I'm shooting festivals here and there like I just came back from Mopar Fest um, which is a event by Holly Performance. They actually put together LS Fest, Mopar Fest and Ford Fest. It's been really good. You know this tomorrow I'm actually flying out to Seattle mm -hmm. for round three and four of Formula Drift and then after that we're going to Grid Life. So it's it's been so nice that things are coming back. You know it's it, it was a crushing blow, I'm sure, to everybody. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. Have you guys been flying at all? No. <laughs> all of my trips were canceled. I was supposed yeah. to go to Europe three times. And, yeah. Hey, Larry, uh, how are the flights right now? I mean, are they packed? Do they pack you in? Is there any social distancing? What's, what's So um, the flights are so funny. So I've been flying every week. And, you know, I just got in LA last night and then tomorrow um, we're flying out again. It, it's really hard and, and it's really easy in some ways. So it's really hard because there's no way to fly direct now uh, mm -hmm. because all so many flights got canceled. You just have to fly into hubs. So now the travel takes so long. It's almost like double, triple the time just to travel. Mm -hmm. And some places you can't get to at all completely. Right. Uh, the price and the price thing is it's interesting everything seems to be a lot cheaper even though it's a lot more flying just because they're trying to get people to to fly again 
in terms of the safety aspect of it, I feel like it's a lot better. Uh, I feel a lot more comfortable flying in general because everybody's wearing masks or everybody's forced to wear masks. And if you're coughing or if you're sneezing or anything like that, that's all contained now, right? Before I would get sick all the time, nonstop, just from flying mm -hmm. because you know, if you're sitting next to some guy, even if you're in first class or business class, it doesn't matter. They're right next to you with a coughing, sneezing on you. You know, it, it's not like in Japan or in a lot of Asian countries where you actually have to wear or, or you wear a mask out of, uh, out of courtesy, mm -hmm. you know, for other people. I actually considered wearing a mask before all of this crazy stuff happened, but I was just worried that people would think that I'm like, I don't know, some kind of yeah, super ill, right? Yeah, super <laughs> ill. Infected you got, patient. He's got leprosy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but now it it's kind of a joke in that they pack us in tight like sardines. It seems like every single uh, flight that I've gone on since this started has been so packed, um, and it's like maybe people that have to travel for whatever reason. I do notice a lot of. Uh, lot less business travelers. So I'm almost, I'd say 90% of the flights that I'm going on now, I get upgraded because it seems like it's just a lot of first timers or people that don't travel as much. And then the people that travel a lot, like myself, it, it opens up for us. So it seems like every time I'm flying business class, I mean, not that it matters anymore because now they don't serve food or drink at all, period. Oh, wow. On any flights, even on the really nice lay flat ones where we got upgraded, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Nope, nothing, you don't get it. <laughs> no champagne, no it's, nothing. It's, it's a waste, in fact. <laughs> um, but with that said, you know, I'm just happy to be traveling again. Uh, for a lot of these events that we have been doing, we've actually driven. And we did two events in Colorado where I did one magazine shoot and I did one event, which is a Gridlife Alpine Horizon Festival. We actually drove both times, so it was twenty five hundred miles round trip. But, wow! Wow! You know, sometimes LA, LA to Colorado, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And Ooh. luckily for me, one of the times Porsche let us use a GT four, a brand new GT four, and you know we put a lot of miles on it, twenty five hundred <laughs> miles. Um, and and you know it was fun. It hurt our backs a little bit. That's kind of the whole. You know, we're getting a little older now. Um, <laughs> Did you and, fly and, for Pikes Peak? Uh, for Pikes Peak, we had to fly. Uh, I wanted to drive. We had to because it was so close. Uh, it, we only had one day break in between Pikes Peak and Formula Drift, so we had to fly. Right. No right. tickets? I'm sorry? No speeding tickets? Uh, so lucky for me, uh, you know, also that's another thing that I really noticed driving a lot now. There's just less cops, mm. it seems like. I mean, Maybe they're just not out in force compared to before because there's just a lot less travelers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we got lucky, you know, after driving road trip wise. I mean, we've driven to Arizona a couple times too for jobs. I think this year total so far, we've driven maybe seven to 8,000 miles um, just to events. Oh, wow. And we've been lucky to, to not get any tickets at all. So not that good. Awesome. Yeah. So how was how was the first uh, Formula Drift event? I was watching the the live stream and everything, but um, it looks like there was sort of a crowd there. Um, yeah. how, how was the event overall? Your what's your impression of the event? You know, my 
I think my main impression is that even leading up to that, I talked to a lot of the teams and drivers and just people involved in the industry and everyone's just so appreciative and everyone's just so happy to be back at all. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I think um, one of the topics that really comes up a lot as of recent is, you know, I, I was the first one to say like, you don't realize how not essential you are mm -hmm. until something like this happens, right? As a car photographer, it's like, how essential is that? Well, you know, come to find out a couple months in, art and uh, having kind of the will to do these sort of things like racing, honestly, that's really essential for our mental health. You know, it's just something to live for and something to look forward to. So even though there is an inherent risk to us traveling there and shooting among other people and uh, photographing these teams and just, just doing anything at all, you know, there's that risk, right? Yeah. But it, it seems like the whole paddock took that risk and it paid off because the spectators that were there were very appreciative Mm -hmm. And they were just so thankful to meet myself, to the drivers, to the organization that they had something to attend, something to look forward to. I mean, these, these are car nuts, you know, the, yeah, a lot yeah. of people came from all, all different states to go to uh, Southern Illinois because luckily for us, you know, that state is a little more open, a little more free uh, about that sort of thing, you know, versus California or versus Washington, uh, and it, it was great. It was, I, I have to say, it was a lot more people than I thought mm -hmm. in terms of how many people would show up. Um, granted, you know, it was a little more different of an event. It was three competitions, no qualifying, yep. as Jared would say, all killer, no filler. It mm -hmm. was it was just different, and it. I think the fans really enjoyed it. On the photography side, um, that track layout is so tough to shoot. It's so hard for us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we made do. And in the end of the day, I'm, I'm happy with some of the stuff that we came up with. Did, did you uh, like the, the two-round format, no qualifying? What did you think about that? You know, qualifying is, is rough because it, it's been years. It's been years in the talking with you know, just internally, I travel with the Formula Drift team so much, especially when we're going to Asia a lot for the Formula Drift Asia series. You know, I had just days of me, Jim, Ryan, you know, the judges. At the time, Dai was a judge, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they always talk shop. Mm -hmm. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize about the series is it, it seems like a lot of people think that they're just they're sitting there counting their money and they're just like, you know, reaping the benefits of, of having the series. It's completely not the case. They believe in the series so much. They want the series to succeed. And they're really drift fans through and through. They're so concentrated and focused on moving this forward, you know, as a, a legitimate motorsport. Mm -hmm. So the talk of... Uh, no qualifying has been going on for many, many years. Mm -hmm. But the problem is back then when I remember we were talking about it, the field was huge. There was no pro two. The field went up to at sometimes, I think there was one Long Beach when we had 75 drivers, yeah, maybe yeah. 
maybe more at Irwindale, right? Mm -hmm. I, I remember we did a, a, a photo shoot for the 10 year anniversary of Irwindale and we put every single competition car at Irwindale on the, on the uh, you know, main track area in the middle. I couldn't believe how many cars showed up. You know, it was just all of these cars that were competing in Formula Drift. And honestly, half of them had no reason being, being actually there. So with that said, they couldn't get rid of them. Right. But, you know, through over time, through attrition, the field is still huge. Mm -hmm. The field is still 60, 65, 70 drivers. Yeah. But now it's split between Pro 1 and Pro 2. Mm -hmm. So with that said, the no qualifying thing actually works because, you know, you draw your name out of a hat mm -hmm. and then it just, it just, it, it just really comes down to, yeah, it's a lot of luck, but you got to win your battles. Yeah. You know, yeah. I tell these drivers sometimes, I'm like, it's not that hard, bro. You only have five battles to do. You have to win five times and then you're first place. But of course, it's a lot. There's just so much that goes to winning. And that's why the same people win every single time, no matter what, even if there's no qualifying. Yeah, because yeah. guess what? It's really, really hard. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we had uh, Rutledge Wood on two weeks ago. And we were talking about, you know, some of the guys that, uh, that just made it for the first time in top 16 and they've been, you know, trying so hard and you've seemed like, it feels like, you know, only the, you know, like 10 guys are like, you hear their names all the time, but you know, they start from the bottom too, right? They, they have, they've been having qualifying and they have to, you know, win every single time. And it, it feels like uh, the same guys are there, but there's the field is actually big. You know, I remember, you know, 60 car qualifying where yeah. you know, it, it takes a whole day to do qualifying. It, and it's horrible because <laughs> some of these people, you know, they get so nervous and then they flip. And then how long does it take to clean a flip? You know, yeah. uh, luckily I feel like the, the field has been so all, most of that has been weeded out. Mm -hmm. There's still some people that shouldn't be there. I feel like, or they should compete in a lower level series mm -hmm. um, just because, it's just embarrassing to the series. You know, you want to be able to show, showcase the best. Mm -hmm. And part of uh, our goal as official photographers and videographers is to really showcase this art and this high level of performance and drifting and just how beautiful these machines are, even though they're so harsh and they're so rough. Mm -hmm. um, it, we, we just have to portray this as what it is which is it's just amazing it really is an amazing series with that said um you know we're just so lucky to be a part of it uh, jim ryan all of the guys have been so good to work with over all of these years i started becoming the official photographer in 2012 and we've been doing it pretty much every, well we have been doing it every every year since then you're the official photographer for pike's peak as well Right. Yeah. So I'm the official photographer for Pikes Peak as well, and that's one where, uh, I mean, I don't know how much um, you have in terms of attachment to that race, mm -hmm. but for some reason, the Japanese are just crazy about that race. Yeah, right? no, we love it, that it race. Thing, right? Yeah, it's a big thing. Uh, um, you know, Monster Tajima. What's his first name? Nobuhiro. Yep. Nobuhiro Tajima. Yeah, Nobuhiro Tajima really popularized that race in japan i think mm -hmm. right yeah I mean, with the whole suzuki yes thing, the twin engine. Mm -hmm. yeah yep. it's uh, 
it's amazing. I'm so lucky to be able to photograph him. Uh, I had a chance to photograph the last year of the dirt um, when he tried to go for a sub 10 minute uh, time with, with the SX4, I think. And uh, I think Falcon, uh, Falcon Tire was, was on board for that and he didn't make it. And then of course, um, the next year, uh, I think uh, he finally made it. It's just such a cool, it, is, it was such a cool thing to see. You know, it really is motoring history. Next year, we're coming on the 99th running of that race. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine anything lasting for that long. It's so crazy. It, it's really cool to be a part of it. Yeah, it's just, it's just a great race. Hopefully, uh, they can get the spectators in next year. It must have been kind of, kind of strange, surreal shooting without any, anybody you know, around this year. You, you know, it was really weird, partially because uh, there, there's two aspects to it, right? During race day, one of the things that I'm really used to capturing are the fans mm-hmm. interacting with the drivers. You know, they're just so excited to give them high fives and see them you know, when they actually come down. For example, when Sebastian Loeb uh, beat the record in his uh, Peugeot, he came out, stood on top of his car, and just sprayed everybody with champagne, all the mm-hmm. spectators and yeah. myself. And it was just so cool to see that. And then kind of the same thing with Romain Dumas. When he came down in his IDR, when he won, it was just a big deal. You know, it, it's, it really is a big deal. It's worldwide motorsport news when something like that happens. It, it was just a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. This year, um, Daijiro Yoshihara, he... Uh, he was, he was the second Japanese person to win uh, Unlimited, right? the first mm-hmm. being um, Tajima-san. Yeah. And it was just not that big of a deal. I mean, there was just not <laughs> as many people. And yeah. it was kind of sad, you know? And right. I have a fun story about that, by the way. I love, I love the story. He gets out of his car, mm-hmm. and he's just so sad. Right. He's just so upset. Oh, boy. And, yeah, well, everybody was like, Hi, why are you so upset? He's like, hey man, I, I spun out, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I fucked up. I, I could have got under 10 minutes. And everyone's like, why are you so sad? You won. And first of all, you won. Second of all, you didn't spin out. You crashed. And he's like, no way. No way. And, he, and we're like, yeah, look at the car. And he yeah. looked, he, he like went around to the other side. It was the, it was, it was the, uh, well, I don't know if it was right-hand drive or left-hand drive. I think it was left-hand drive. Yeah, yeah. it was left-hand drive. So it was on the passenger side. The whole rear is crunched in. Uh-huh. He's like, oh. <laughs> he, he didn't realize like, that he's... No, he, he didn't crunched. realize. He looked at it. He's like, oh, really? <laughs> no, I can't believe I crashed. And we're like, yeah, it's crazy that you uh, won <laughs> after crashing. Because um, somebody, the other guy who was going to win overall potentially uh, in the Porsche, you know, the BBI one, the yellow mm-hmm. one, he crashed at the same place, but uh, he deviated his tire. He couldn't move mm-hmm. on. Uh, so, I see. It, it was so cool to see that. I mean, but unfortunately for Ty, you know, it wasn't like a big celebration mm-hmm. that uh, I think we're used to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we saw the in-car footage and, yeah. you know, he... he it looked like it was like a half spin and then he got on it right away. Right. And then he, yeah. he's, and I talked to him later and he's like, yeah, I think I missed, 
about five, six seconds. And if I hadn't a spun, um, I would have, you know, I would have been in the nine, you know, nine minute range. I, I, I honestly think, I mean, from what I've talked to him, you know, when we were out in the mountain, is that he could have made up more time because it's a compounding, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I think that area is a pretty high speed area. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Larry, did it make it uh, much easier for you to go and your team to go on bathroom breaks then without the spectators? Um, so, well, no, because um, when we're, when we need to go on bathroom breaks, uh, it's the other photographers that we have to worry about. Ah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, everything else was the same for us, you know, because normally the majority of the shooting that we do is actually during practice and spectators are very limited during practice anyway. So they don't actually get to go where we are. Mm -hmm. um, so generally speaking, what happens is we wake up at 3 a.m. And then we're out the door at by 3.30. We're on the mountain, pretty much ready to go by 4.30. And then, you know, maybe we have 30 minutes of rest before um, they start sending the cars. The, we have that small window where it's still dark and we can find some trees or somewhere to hide and do our business because it's really early in the morning and uh, yeah, there's no facilities up there usually. James, why are we taking the direction? Well, I know, I, I, I will say, in all my, when I in spoke to uh, Will and when I spoke to Lindbergh, they also mentioned that the bathroom facilities were rather unique uh, interpretations of how you had to deal with the, the mountain of Pikes Peak. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. I mean, unfortunately, you know, that's just what we have to do when nature crawls. So what's funny is uh, there's a lot of places that have tree stumps that are hollowed out and it's like a perfect toilet and nature's <laughs> toilet, you know? So we just, we could use those to our advantage. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, See this, I'm just preparing Sam Matani. So when he goes for the 99th and the hundredth year running and he's got his press pass and he's like up there and doesn't know what to do, he's got these inside tips. Well, I'll need a better car than a press car, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Larry, uh, I was wondering, how did you get your start in photography? I mean, when were you, uh, were you like uh since you were a kid you know high school or junior high school did you love the camera i mean yeah i i i think actually taro you had a lot to do with it honestly um well, you are the master taro yeah it just it just started with a love for cars and then um a love for cars really started with uh watching the best motoring videos mm -hmm. watching option watching i i just remember clearly and i've told you this personally taro many times we would basically wait for every single new DVD to drop. And then as soon as it dropped, one of us would go buy it and then we would all sit down together and watch it. And it was just a lot of fun commentary. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite things to do was when they showed the specs, you know, they used to show the specs for like one second mm -hmm. and it was like, you know, and then here's like all the exhausts and list everything. Yeah. Well, we would pause it and then we would like, nerd out over everything <laughs> and then like at the time uh a lot of my friends were just a lot nerdier than i was in, in in terms of cars and in terms of like engines and things like that he's like they're like oh it's a ae 101 something whatever blacktop this is you know all of these things that they would say and i'm like i don't know any of this stuff i'm just like playing catch up but with that said you know that's 
that really started our love for photography media. And we actually tried to replicate uh, those videos. Mm -hmm. And we would, sh anytime we would go out to Time Attack or Autocross or when we were driving our own vehicles, we used to compete in Gymkhana even. I think there was um, like a carboy magazine, Gymkhana, that came to the U.S. and it was, it ran at Willow Springs and a couple other places. It was a, it was like a super Japanese thing. It was so cool. Yeah. And around that time, you know, I, I had a video camera and I'm like, why don't we just make our own best motoring like videos, you know? Mm -hmm. And we would talk with our helmets on. That was the <laughs> thing that kind of was the funniest thing for me. Like you could never hear what Suja and those guys are saying yeah. because they would always like, mm, they would say things and then their helmet would be on. It's like, they're all out of their cars. Yeah. Why, why don't you guys just take your helmets off? Yeah. And, but, but they never did that. And so we try to like replicate a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. We had pointers and um, I tried, I tried to copy. Pointers. Yeah. Yeah. The finger pointers. I yeah. try to copy some of the angles of like one of my uh, uh, favorite things that I, I, got away from or, or that I took away from the videos is they would just like show the specs mm -hmm. and then it was just like this constant revving mm -hmm. constant and, and <laughs> I don't, it, it, to the point where it would like spray out water and stuff yeah, from the yeah. exhaust uh, it, it was just there was just so many things that uh, maybe they the people at Best Motoring didn't realize it but they they were really trendsetters and they kind of really inspired us in the U.S. to kind of get into this culture and get into this photography and video. You know, we, we, we just try to replicate it. And now, finally, after all these years, you know, I have my own YouTube show, Kuning and Autofocus, where I get to travel to Japan and stuff. So that was the first thing I did mm -hmm. all year. Yeah, yeah, well, congrats on the show. I'm flattered. Thanks, thanks for the, all the... Uh... <laughs> well, Thank Taro, you, but... you're to blame. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, so hey, so you're, it, you're, I it was a it yeah, was a yeah. full full circle moment when I went to um, Redox, you know, Arito's personal mm -hmm. shop. Yeah. And he used the pointer on me. <laughs> you know? He used the pointer on me um, while he was teaching me how to drive, yeah. and it, just being able to see his the iconic red Mark IV Supra right. uh, that we we grew up to to really um i guess it's just something that we i don't know it just inspired us and, and to be able to see it in person and talk to him and talk to all these guys yeah it's just every everything you know like everything that we do now yeah was inspired from those days no yeah. that's awesome that's awesome holy cow so, look, look at spoon's uh hundred fifty thousand dollar honda civic uh, video 1.2 yeah. million views like most yeah. of any of them like that. Well, and, and that's the thing is is Isn't that the is that the one you did on Katsu and then? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right? Katsu yeah, son yeah. so, or that's the built by Legends yeah, car. Yeah. And that is uh, mostly carbon fiber um EG Civic, which is just so crazy, you know. And and, and this if here's the thing, like um I wish uh those guys um Best Motoring, you know, and, and that whole series and uh, the people that involved with the series, I wish they kind of moved on to this web platform, mm -hmm. you, you know, because um, it's, it's unfortunate that it had to stay, you know, with the older platform, you know, on DVD. Yeah, yeah. 
versus like it should be something that's free and they make money in another way, which is what we do. Yeah. Right? So yeah. We, we have sponsors, like for example, uh, with this Japan series that we did, which was the first thing that we did this year, and it honestly kicked off 2020 so well, so right. Mm-hmm. Of course, it went downhill pretty quickly after that. Yeah. But we, you know, we got Yokohama Tire and KW Suspension to come on to pay for the series, mm-hmm. and, you know, and we make a living wage. And all this free content is for everybody to watch mm-hmm. all over the world. You know? So I get that it's hard to, to get to that point, but it's unfortunate that they never get had a chance to make that jump. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a conversation that I was having with them, you know, probably like 15 years ago, you know, when, when uh, YouTube was coming out and um, you know, we were telling the guys in Japan, Hey, you've got to start to, you know, think about what's after DVDs, you know, everybody's ripping your DVDs. Right. And it's like, my, our DVDs are getting ripped. You know, we have to change uh, the model. And that's how we started GT channel, you know, because um, originally it was just, uh, you know, best motoring and hot version stuff. But we were like, well, we can't do this any, any longer. You know, Japan's going to run out of fuel. Eventually we have to start creating original stuff. And that's why we created GT channel. Um, it's because, kind of insane know, how far they came though with that model, you know, cause it is. It is. that never, it, it never aired on TV. Did it? Nope. <laughs> nope. So like, it's amazing to me that they could survive this long just from DVDs. Yeah. And everybody, everybody knows them, right? Everybody knows them. And at the time, everybody bought the DVDs, at least that I know in the US, you know, the internet wasn't even fast enough to download it, even if it was free online, you know? So uh, with that said, it's too bad. I mean, you know, maybe somebody else is at the helm that, that, could, could take it to that next level, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's and it's late. never too late. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's never too late. It's, well, well, they have competition like you now, Larry. <laughs> well, but it's a different market, I feel like. You know, that I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. You know, but I think it's a different market. You know, we, we're, we're definitely serving the US market more. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, I, I think there's still a wave to to come back though, you know, the, the guys are still well, you know, I mean, there's, there's Keiichi and, you know, Taniguchi and Arito, they're all around. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the, the model has to be more of a, of a hybrid, you know, some mm-hmm. subscription, you know, VOD and some free stuff on YouTube, maybe even more of an international flavor where it's not just for the Japanese market, you know, the production mm-hmm. has to be targeted towards, you know, the world, not just, not just Japan, you know? Yeah. I mean, just to give you an example, right. Um, didn't Daigo build like a Yaris recently? Mm-hmm. He did. Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. He did. Where's the content from that? You know, where's the video? Yeah. I want to see that. I want to yeah. watch it. I just got one photo and that's all I got. You know, <laughs> that's not enough. Yeah. I want to know about that thing. And, and I'm guessing it's probably pretty crazy. No, but you know, unfortunately, he's not very good on camera, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's not a lot like a lot of the other guys. Um, but with that said, it doesn't mean that some of those other guys can help him with that. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
so we we talked about how you got into photography. Do you have any? Uh, I'm sure, like when you go to an event, and you know your your face is famous now with through you know your social media and everything. Um, I'm sure kids come up to you and say, "How do I become the next Larry Chan?" Or how did how do I become like you? Do you get you know kids like that asking you questions like that? Yeah, almost every day on on social media and in person, even when I was at um, Mopar Fest this past weekend, I had a kid come up to me and, you know, he, he's shooting, which is awesome, you know, and there's a place for that, you know, whether it just be a, a staying as a hobby or if something that you want to do as a side hustle. Uh, what people don't realize is the appetite for content is bigger than ever. You know, you, you, I can't shoot enough. I can't, I don't have enough weekends. Yeah. I don't have enough, you know, hours in the day to shoot more. I wish I could shoot more. There, there's just, on any given weekend, even now, even with everything all shrunken, mm -hmm. um, there's still two, three, four events maybe that I wish I could be shooting. Like, unfortunately, I couldn't shoot Le Mans this weekend. Yeah. But that was going on, and that was a worldwide event. Yeah. But I guess what? I was shooting something else mm -hmm. that I had access to. And then this weekend, there's a bunch of other things happening. Like, mm -hmm. I think uh, Hot Wheels holding some kind of event, whether it be virtual or whatever. But I can't do it because, guess what? I'm going to be at Farmer Drift. Yeah. It, it's, I, I feel like now more than ever, it's just so many car things happening. When I was starting out, there was just nothing, really. I mean, you could organize a couple things every now and then, um, go to some meets, but it wasn't like it is now at all. What's the most uh, challenging job you ever did? I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, um, it's not all, everything's not all great all the time. What was the most challenging job mm -hmm. you ever did? I think a lot of that kind of surrounds like a health aspect. Um, I've had to do jobs where I was just deathly ill. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's not possible now. You know, you just can't do that now. Yeah. That's not right. But you know, before it wasn't unheard of at all to just be, to, to have a fever, to be deathly ill. Mm -hmm. And then you just have to continue on and you're physically hurting. Yeah. It, it's happened. And, you know, we've powered through it because guess what? If you, if you um, bow out of it or if you take a break for a minute, maybe you might never work for these people ever again. Mm -hmm. it's just, that's just the way it is. Unfortunately, there's just no sick days for us. Is that worse, Larry, than chasing an invoice? Um, <laughs> yeah, I've had to do a lot of that. And that's, I think that's <laughs> probably something that maybe you, you learn over time. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had some where, you know, takes a couple of years to get paid for an invoice all the time. So what's your, uh, your team like? I've seen some videos of you, you know, you have your, your office now and you have a, a new garage too, mm -hmm. right? Next to, yeah. next to where you guys are. What, what's your team like right now? Yeah, we, we, um, we have, um, we moved to a new compound. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is, because, yeah, I just needed more space to work. And we, we uh, it's four of us now. Mm -hmm. And we all do kind of a mix of 
stills and video. And the, the, the nice thing is um, it, 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 it's, it's in, in a way it's like it's for me, you know, mm -hmm. because we all can pretty much do each other's jobs. It's really, really, really cool to, to kind of tackle these things as a team. Mm -hmm. um, couple, like for example, like the big events, um, Formula Drift, specifically Bike Speak, uh, we have to even outsource, we have to have more help come in. Mm -hmm. um, but like there's certain events where it just takes all four of us mm -hmm. and, and we kind of just really push hard all together just for this one goal, mm -hmm. which is to produce this amazing content for the client. And do you shoot your videos in-house as well? Your autofocus stuff is all done in-house? Yeah, we, sh we do everything in-house. Mm -hmm. um, part of that is, uh, so Hoonigan, they have so much to deal with mm -hmm. already. Right. They just can't take on any more work, period. <laughs> you know, the guys over there, even though they have a lot of employees, um, everyone is doing three, four roles, maybe more. And mm -hmm. uh, so we, we try not to tax anything from them. We, we just do everything in-house. So all of these things that we shoot for the Autofocus channel, in terms of video, it just basically shows up. Um, and we've done three episodes every single week um, mm -hmm. since we started, and we haven't missed one episode. That's great. Congrats on your success on that. Um, tell, yeah. us, tell us about your new garage, though. I'm, I'm really curious to see how that's coming along. Yeah, uh, I just tell everybody that, of course, it's the worst time ever to move to a new place, right? Um, but it, it's my house, and I tell everyone, you know, straight up that I saved up my entire life for a place like this because I can have my cars here. We can work out of this place. And also, uh, it's just... It's, it's a, eventually it could be a place where it's more of a, like a community space that I can share with other people. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hold meets here. Yep. Um, and, you know, once there's a couple things I need to do, like we need to pave some areas and we need to get lifts and all the air tools and everything in. Mm -hmm. I want to get solar because eventually we want to air condition the shop, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's kind of an anomaly. It's weird. It's this piece of land that just didn't get broken up mm -hmm. for some reason. So we're only 10 minutes east of Irwindale Speedway mm -hmm. um, off the 10 freeway, but it's a one and a half acre property that is, is easy for, it would be awesome for us to hold like small car meets here. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, which uh, cars are you working on right now? Uh, that's a great question. I don't even know. <laughs> um, you know, cars, it, it's, it's our passion. And even when I'm done with work, even after shooting cars all day, every day, even if we're doing stuff for OE manufacturers or if we're shooting events, you know, at the end of the day, when I come home to relax, what I do is I like to play with cars, drive my cars and work on cars. Um, I think uh, right now, after we come back from grid life, I'm going to go pick up my 240Z, which has been up in NorCal. Uh, and uh, I actually dropped it off right before everything stopped. Mm -hmm. And then they uh, upgraded the brakes. They, they changed a couple things. They uh, changed the ECU to Haltech, which is so cool. Um, 
it's going to be so much nicer to drive. So it's completely restored, and now all the running gear is going to be up to par with the, with the rest of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on my – we're doing slow upgrades to my A90 Supra. We've been using that more and more for work, actually. I use that as a production vehicle. And then uh, today's video on Hoonigan Autofocus kind of showcases me using it as a chase vehicle. I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's such a great car. And a, a lot of people like to make fun of it, the fact that it's a BMW. But in my eyes, it doesn't really matter because, I mean, it's just this car that's so fast and it's mm-hmm. so good at what it's for, which is go faster around the track. And we utilize that to its advantage. Mm-hmm. And you'll see in that episode, if you watch the episode, um, Ryan Literal in his S14, he told me, Without me knowing, he's mm-hmm. telling me that while, when I'm trying to keep up with him, he's doing his absolute best to go as fast as possible. Uh, and I'm able to keep up with him, which is so awesome because he has double the power, you know? Mm-hmm. How's, I, was, I was going to ask you, how's the supercharger feeling on your uh, FJ? Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually going to pull that out today. I'm going to take some pictures of it. Okay. But, uh, it, it, it's... Um, one of those things where it, I guess it cancels out okay. the power I lost from <laughs> everything that I've done to it. Uh-huh. Uh, but but it, it does update it, especially because mine is a, a manual transmission and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it makes a cool noise now. Uh-huh. It's, it's fun, you know, it's, it, I feel like it's as much crazy stuff as you can do to that platform without mm-hmm. breaking it. Yeah. Okay. But I like it a lot. Okay. All right. I have a I have a forerunner, as you know. So I was I was thinking about mm, what are, what what should I be doing to my forerunner, and I saw I mean, you doing that. Bro, leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> if you think it's lacking power, then maybe. But for me, that thing is so it was so slow, and part of it is because it's lifted, and you know it has all this stuff to make it slower. And then uh, I I think I'm actually going to get better gas mileage with the supercharger because I I don't need to floor it all over the place all uh-huh. the time. Hmm. All right. Well, you mentioned your Z. Um, mm-hmm. This week, well, last week, uh, they announced the new Z. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I have some interesting insight to that, right? Because I had a chance to photograph the Club Sport 23, mm-hmm. and I did a video on it. You know, as you know, 23 is you know, Nissan. Yep. That's, that was their Nissan's first SEMA project, if you could believe it or not. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so before Nissan would just bring stock vehicles or race cars or other vehicles to SEMA, they never actually built anything specifically for the SEMA show, right? Okay. So for the Club Sport 23, a couple of years ago, they commissioned uh, Brian Wilkerson and Ray Shake from MA Motorsports, who used to run Forsberg's program, to build the Club Sport 23, mm-hmm. which is like a, a, I called it way early on, basically the new Z. Uh, well, at the time I mm-hmm. called it, and you can find it in the video that I published um, all those years ago. I called it the new 300ZX in mm-hmm. essence, right? Okay. So it's three liter mm-hmm. E6 twin turbo manual transmission in a 370Z body. And the three liter, of course, is out of the Nissan or the Infinity Q series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, 
Brian and Ray really did their magic on it and made it all work. Yeah, that car. Yep. Yeah. So they made it work with everything. Everything worked. The transmission, uh, there was no check engine lights. Everything was flawless. So this Mm. was like a pre-concept concept, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, And I had a chance to ride in it. I had a chance to photograph it. Um, I did ask to drive it, but they said no. Oh, really? It's it's a pretty cool car, though. Look Mm. at the exhaust. So in essence, I've... I, I've oh, yeah. it's, written yeah. and I've photographed the pre-concept concept, which is, is just such a cool vehicle. It really is. How did yeah. you like the look of the, the Z-Proto? So, well, we don't actually know what the production one's going to be like, right? Because mm-hmm. it is a prototype. It's, it's going to be close. It's going to be very close. Yeah. That's well, yeah, there, there are certain things, you know, that I think are impossible to keep, right? But potentially um, the shape of it and then the size of it, it is a little bigger than the 370Z. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it, you know. I can't wait to drive it. I can't wait to enjoy it. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be pretty cool. Um, it's just uh, definitely a different direction compared to what Toyota did with the Supra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Hopefully, it pays off financially for Nissan. They need it bad. <laughs> hey, Larry, uh, what are there any aspects that kind of jump out at you uh, about the design of the, this car that you like or you dislike or you think are weird or um, um, uh, broke any you know, thoughts? One of the first things that I said is, is um, may, a lot of people don't like the way it looks, um, but you know, just let the aftermarket take their shot at it. You know, as soon as the aftermarket touches that thing, it's going to be shaped to however you like your cars. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of aspects of it that I think it's, I mean, I, I love, I love the way the back looks. I think it really part of what makes the 300 ZX so cool is the tail lights and the, the back of that car. I think uh, this kind of gives a little bit of a throwback. Um, I mean, in terms of looks, honestly, I'm, I'm definitely more interested in the performance aspect. Um, part of it is because it being a turbo, modern turbo car, and you just breathe on that thing, it's going to make so much power. I know for sure. Yeah, a lot of people did not like, I think if anything was the most criticized, I think it was the grill. You know, mm-hmm. the grill area, people did not like the yeah. know, square grill. looks like just a big kind of a whole big square. And, and that's kind of, like I said, is that something that, you know, let the aftermarket work on that. And it, if it could be something where it mimics the 240Z, kind of how the 240Z has a bumper mm-hmm. uh, splitting the grill. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Maybe that's something that will happen or maybe these photos just don't accurately represent it you know that's true i want to see this yeah. thing in real life before yeah I really that, that uh, you have to see some cars in real life and I, I do have to say you know i have a supra but i love the fact that this as it sits right now doesn't have any fake vents <laughs> so i i think that's really cool yeah we've seen several iterations and uh, body kits uh, on the internet 
you know, already of this car, and they look pretty good. Yeah, you know? some of them look amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the one that John Saval uh, did, mm -hmm. they look really good. A couple of yeah, them. Yeah, he, he did one of my car. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 that's right. That's right, exactly. Yeah. So when you look at a car like that, like, where, where would you like to see it, you know, as a photographer? You know, where would you like to shoot a car like that? Um, you know, all of the cars that we've seen so far, or all of the pictures have been in the daytime. I'd love to shoot it at night and see how it re reacts to light. Uh, yeah, especially that yellow paint, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, other colors. Like, uh, I feel like the Z in general, it's always been a car that it always had interesting colors, right? Mm -hmm. So like the first Z33s, um, they came in interesting colors. Like there was that burnt orange and then they had that like brickyard purple. Um, and they just had so many uh, different colors it's just not just boring you know that that the thing i hate about cars now is just like there's just so many that are just black white gray and different shades of silver or whatever you know it, it needs to have the whole palette as many as you can fit or as many as people are willing to buy mm -hmm. uh, and i love that uh, above the z are you a z enthusiast if there's a mark or a model that you are a big fan of uh uh, would it be Z and Supra, pretty much? Um, I mean, I, I, I like everything. I'm, I think, I think I'm a lover of all cars. You know, of course, Nissan's my first love. You know, I have a 240Z and I have an R32 GTR, mm -hmm. but I like everything. You know, I like on road, off road, whatever. It, it's, it's just. It, I think to me, it's so much about. It just being special in a way to me and a lot of times it comes from video games it comes from watching um, things like best motoring or it just has to <clears throat> touch touch me in some way you know emotionally and, and there's a lot of times with cars that i like it's just there's no rhyme or reason why i like it but it just yeah i just like it well a lot of times it could just be like a mechanical thing right i just uh, for example, with the R32, it, in essence, in the you know compared to modern cars, it's slow. It's really slow, and it's just everything is just not that good, right? Uh, we just did a video on Hoonigan where I raced a Nissan Maxima with my R32, <laughs> and I barely won, like by a little bit. Wait, Nissan Maxima is in uh, a present-day Nissan Maxima? Yeah, yeah. If you, you want to pull up that video, James, <laughs> I'll, drag it up there. I'll get that. Yeah. Um, so the old car versus a new car. Yeah, 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 old car versus new car. When we shut down an airstrip uh, to do that race, but it, and and it, when they asked me, I thought I was going to lose for sure. I was like, "There's no way," you know. It's it's an old car. It's a thirty year old car. Yeah, everything's tired. I still have the stock airbox. I have. <laughs> everything is stock it passes smog in california you know it's it's going to be slower than a nissan maxima because <laughs> nissan maxima you know it's a modern car and those engines with direct injection everything there's so much more power right yeah. mm -hmm. but with that said uh, i had a weight advantage 
Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, exactly. These cars are getting big. These yeah. Days, but yeah. 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 And and you, it's evident that I had a weight advantage because I had some ballast later on in the video. You'll see um, one of our friends rode in my car and I lost immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. I mean, you know, you hear about the R32 Godzilla, you know, being yeah, the legendary, yeah. you know, sports car from it, Nissan that, you know, exactly. yeah, so barely beats the Maxima. It, it's <laughs> kind of interesting because a lot of people um, look at my car and they're like, what's wrong with you? Why is your stock? Why haven't you, you know, put it? That's exactly what I was going to ask, Larry. Why is that R32? Well, because, because the R32 to me, it's a time capsule and... I don't have it for the performance. I have it for the looks. I think it looks amazing. I think it's just it's clean. Yeah. It's a time machine, you know, mm -hmm. it's a time capsule from that era. Uh, and it's, it shouldn't be ruined as so many cars have been, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, I, I just love it for that. Yeah. Versus you know, there are cars that I want to modify, for example, like my 240Z is extensively modified. And I'm never going to turn that back to stock. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know, I just, I'm a lover of all cars. But with, for example, with this car, it's, it's in the looks department that really gets me. Yeah, yeah. What's, um, we're getting close to wrap this up, but what's the, um, uh, I was curious. I mean, out of all the shoots that you've done, you've done a million shoots. What's the favorite car you've ever shot? Mm, that's really tough. Um, I, mean, I, I love all the work that you do. I mean, yeah, seriously. I don't, I don't, but no. I mean, <laughs> that's it's really not true. Tough. Larry Terrace never said that at all. He said, that Larry, <laughs> no, right at the bottom, right at the bottom. I don't know. I mean, almost like picking up your favorite child isn't yeah it? yeah yeah it's yeah. it's hard to say you know because i i'm always searching for that next one you know mm -hmm. if, if i say this is it and this is done and i'm gonna move forward from from here on out it's just it doesn't really work like that i mean with that said i do love shooting ken's cars uh, ken Boggs cars are mm. so well designed and yeah. there's just it's just uh everything is kind of come together in that it's amazing aesthetically and it's so performance oriented mm -hmm. and the sound and everything is curated, you know, like there's not one thing that's not thought out, including like the shift knob or the e-brake handle. And there's just so many little things. It's just, they're so methodical with, with the way that they release those cars, the livery, um, it, they make an event out of everything. Yeah. So I love that so much. And that, that kind of really shows how much effort they put into this design mm -hmm. of what a car should be. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love photographing his cars, especially for example, the unicorn is amazing throughout all of its phases. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed photographing it. You know, I'm not a big Ford guy. I'll be the first to admit, but I love them so much. I love the, or GT, I love uh, Ken's creations, mm -hmm. you know, the old rally cars. I love driving, like for example, the GT350 and the Focus RS are amazing cars and the Raptor too. But yeah, I just, I just, 
love finding the beauty and you know they create them i'll take pictures of them can yeah. i take it the other way larry is there a car you just go damn i don't I, i'm gonna really need my all my skills to make this thing look good oh god i hate that i can't work I, my, my magic my, my eyes are gonna tear because this car Sam. is so ugly I was yep. going to say, I think that's why Larry's got three other Larry's. He can just send one of those Larry's. <laughs> exactly. But as yeah, a where you just go, oh, man, this is a... You know what? Like, all the time. You, you wouldn't... All the time I'm tasked with something where I have to make something look better. And it's not so much that it's just sometimes they're just flat-out ugly cars. Sometimes it, there's just something wrong with them, right? Like the, the, the suspension doesn't sit right, so it always is leaning to one side or it's missing front brakes or missing rear brakes or missing an engine or there's a lot of that you know there, there's things that you just have to shoot around how about a design the car design that you just go uh, and if it's a if it's one from a if it's like a current car you might not want to say it because someone will get mad at some point but maybe an older car or something where you go you know that really mm. it doesn't have a good angle i i just i can't as good as i am i cannot make this thing look good well, I mean, and I think that's one of those things where it's like, there's a certain, oh, yeah, okay, fine. In terms of race car, you want to talk about ugly. Yeah, let's uh, go race car. Let's see. Uh, the, the, man, the, the, remember the Indy cars that had those two things in the back? Those like two um, things that would protect them from getting hit? You remember those? It was just what a couple year? years. About what year? James will... Um, a professional maybe, maybe five years ago four years oh, ago oh not that long ago you mean with the big kind of like bumper yeah yeah bumper? yeah yeah the bumpers oh they like, didn't look that bad did they you can't even shoot around them they're so <laughs> ugly they made them horrible looking i mean open wheel cars sometimes are really tough to kind of convey how good they look um no that that's not that bad there was ones that that it was just covering the tires yeah, I remember the one yeah, it, yeah. it covered the tire, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's actually not that bad. Yeah. Um, what do you What do you think about the windshields on today's Indy cars? I mean, I think they look pretty cool. Really? Oh man, I thought those were kind of ugly. So, but you know, it's for safety. So <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but uh, that the, the 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 tire cover was for safety too, and it was like so not. Yeah. It, it, it was so not conforming to the car because it was something like i feel like it was an afterthought yeah i mean it wasn't it, it was yeah. it was an afterthought yeah. it was an afterthought yeah. I, I just don't think they look good at all and it was really difficult for me well they try to make it good right because they kind of made a swoopy and you know they tried yeah yeah okay but cool thank you for actually you answer the question <laughs> usually people go oh well you know but yeah so yeah i mean and there are certain cars that you know i definitely favor more when i'm photographing them um but yeah for, for example there's just some things like that if i were to shoot that kind of race now i would just shoot from the front or the or <laughs> front three quarter i just wouldn't show the rear as much you know yeah yeah all right well cool larry thanks for your time i know Thank you're you so busy, much i know you're a busy guy um, uh, I, I appreciate you guys having me no, no. Um, so where, well, I guess the best place to follow you is on autofocus and social media. Where, yeah. yeah what's YouTube, it? autofocus, and then on uh, social media. Yeah. How active are you on Facebook, Larry? 
Uh, not really. Um, yeah, a lot of people who are active on the other ones are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's mostly um, just uh, my Instagram. Any Anything I post to my Instagram goes on to my Facebook. But it's mostly my Instagram that I focus on because um, it's kind of a, you know uh, a unfair advantage, you know, as a photographer. <laughs> it, it's so easy to have content to post um, versus um, a lot of other creatives. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, you even that. have an Etsy store too, huh? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that we've been doing, one of the things we've been doing is we've been uh, selling prints since yeah. the lockdown started, and we've been so lucky that so many supporters uh, have purchased them. And you know, like, I like to give little trinkets, like these kind of yeah, little cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. um, I like to put you know surprises and little things in in the prints that we sell. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I do every one myself here in the office and I sign them and it's just such a fun process and a fun hobby for me. And we've been so lucky that people have been um, very supportive of, of that. How, how large are those prints, Larry? So they go up to six feet long. Cool. Uh, yeah. So they're really, for example, like, a billboard I think, yeah, I think some of my uh, most popular photos, for example, that one is six feet by two feet and uh yeah it's huge i mean it's well six feet you know mm -hmm. yeah. yeah normally they're about two feet by three feet i don't print small because um because we have a canon professional mm -hmm. printer like yeah. a commercial printer we really take full advantage of the size and also the detail so any of these you can really like look very closely and zoom in and you can see the detail is just so fine on, on these prints. They're not just posters like you would just get um, at a event. These are actually high quality prints on high quality paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. It's been crazy. I can't believe it. How, scroll up, see how many. This, uh, yeah. So far, we've almost 1,300 um, posters sold so far. Oh, so, wow. Wow. That's yeah. great. Man. Yeah. A pretty good little side business there yeah it's not bad you know we've been so lucky <laughs> like i said people like to support us so no yeah. that's great uh, james unfortunately i don't think your photos will sell like this it's <laughs> a james's photos thanks sam james, pointed I, it out I, I really appreciate that <laughs> james i thought you wanted to show well, some of your uh, some you of your some of your photographs to larry and uh, <laughs> ask for some tips i thought you were going to do that today well, I thought it was going to be Sam and myself going up against each other and Larry could vote, but I don't know if Sam's prepared his photos. <laughs> oh, I don't do it. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a photographer. Oh. I have a few shots inside Road and Track before, but yeah. I'm not. Only, only a few shots, right, Sam inside Road and Track. You're not a photographer, though. Just a few shots. Just a few shots. But I've been in enough photo shoots where I know what they're doing, you know, I think. So, so. So that's why you're always willing to give me such great positive advice, isn't it, Sam? I mean, hey, guys. I mean, and James, you too, especially Larry. You guys are still young. We were shooting print, you know, uh, slides back then. Yeah. None of this digital stuff. Fuji Velvia, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I do it still. I, I shoot film, but it's only for... Oh, hours. do you really? Yeah, Where do you get just, it developed? There's nowhere to... Right? We, if it's black and white, we develop it ourselves here. Oh, yeah. Right. Bathroom, but if it's color, then we'll we'll ship it out. Oh, you yeah, you do yeah. have to ship it out, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah back in the day when uh, I was um, 
contributing for Sam for the Speed magazine. Mm -hmm. um, Sam would send me film <laughs> from the U.S. So, you know, I could give it to my Japanese photographers. Oh. And remember, yeah, yeah. we'd go out to Tsukuba or wherever. And we'd, we'd when go you were in Japan, right? Don't when I was in, still yeah. in Japan, yeah. Yeah. I think I yeah. said, yeah, we shot all pretty much Velvia. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. remember those. <laughs> you know, um, in Japan, you know, people still shoot films so much. Like, they, they, it seems like a lot of the Japanese photographers just don't want to let it go. Yeah. You know? Which I'm cool with. I think it's pretty cool. So, like, it's like vinyl and music, you know? Yeah. You yeah, go yeah. to a lot of the stores uh, over in Japan and they still sell it. There you go, Sam. There's one from Archer's National Park for you. Is that your shot? Yeah. Okay, that's beautiful, James. You, we, uh, you know what? I would buy a print of that. Thanks, Sam. Uh, that's very that kind of good. That was a shot on 120. Ah, uh, it's square. That's cool. That's the original Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, keeping <laughs> it real. I like that. That's a good shot. Yeah, I would buy that yeah. print, James. Okay. Thanks, Sam. That's kind of you. Okay. All right. Well, well, thanks, Larry. We're going to um, uh, uh, the next section. Whichever. Next section. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome no to stay, or um, you can, if you got places to be, you can yeah. definitely sign off. It's it's all up to you. Well, no, I. You guys do your thing. I definitely appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it, it's it's just so cool to be able to connect in this way, at least. Yeah. Um, because I haven't seen you at the track in a while. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hopefully soon enough we'll be able to talk shop again. Yeah. yeah, yeah we found yeah. out like uh, Taro is the Obi Wan, huh? To Larry Chan. <laughs> <laughs> so. It is my birth. It is my birthday too. So you're making that's right. it. It's his birthday. Larry. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. That's right. I remember you, you mentioned that. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then everyone just, you're just going to be like James and just follow on Instagram and mm -hmm. Facebook and Twitter. Right. Absolutely. And uh, if I can get to it on uh, the YouTube page as well. Yeah. Everyone follow Larry if you haven't. Um, thanks, Larry. Thanks mm -hmm. for your time. And uh, be Thank careful you. out there in, uh, in Seattle. Yeah, stay safe, Larry. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Peace. Later. Thanks, man. See ya. Bye. Ciao. Oh, that was cool. All right, Taro, you're, you're a mentor. Or yeah, I was going to ask him who his mentor an influencer was. Before influencing was popular. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, who, who should go next now? Very, very honored. Very honored. Well, let's have Taro go first, Sam, because I think your and I's articles are going to intertwine. So, why don't we let Taro go first? I don't think he has much. I don't. I actually don't have much, James. You have something though. You said you had. Yeah, something. I just wanted to introduce uh, introduce a video that we had. Oh yeah, well that's something. That's okay. Something. So, um, you know, we have our weekly releases on, on GD Channel now. Um, and last week, uh, you know, with, with Rutledge, we visited uh, with uh, Top Rank. But we also did another video with, with Top Rank. So let me uh, pull that up really quick. That's right. That was cool. We did a live segment inside the thing with Top Rank. Yeah, cool. yeah. So this is... Nice face. Uh, nice you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where are we going? Are we looking at this? Can you guys yes. see? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, the story of this video is that there are only three ways to legally drive a R34 GTR in the United States. So the three methods are, <laughs> having a little fun here. The three methods are, uh, you need to own a Motorex car, which was 
right. imported back in like the early 2000s. Right. And that's when uh, there's Sam only and a few I of those around. Right. Yeah, so there's like a, a little over a dozen, right? Mm -hmm. And this is our man Sean from from Top Rank again. He's explaining to us what's going on. So the first way is MotorX. The second way is if you import a a race car. So as you see the the automotive forms race car you see here, the red and white Not one. street legal. Not mm -hmm. street legal. You have to register it as a race car. Yeah. Um, sure. And it it can't be just like a, you know, a track car that you happen to, you know, bring over. Um, it has to be uh, like a professionally raced. What, uh, what we registered. like to call that in the trade, uh, Taro, is it likes to have provenance. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Provenance. Provenance. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, that was Igor. That was Igor Shusko's car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That was Igor's. Uh, that's the one he raced in Japan as well. Where is he right now? By the way, is he in Nevada or something? He's in Vegas. Yeah. Vegas. In yeah. Vegas, yeah. Um, and then the third uh, way is uh, uh, show or display. So a show or display is kind of like you know the Bill Gates uh, law where um, if your car happens to be a rare or a limited um production mm. model and uh, you just can't you know it, it's not found very easily um then you can apply as a show or display exemption and you can bring it into the united states before the 25 year um but you model. can't drive it on the road so you can drive it on the road oh you can legally yes yes you can drive it on the road uh, is it like some, only going to and from events basically right um yeah there are limitations yeah, okay. so there is only a, a certain number of miles you can drive uh mm. in a year what the heck is going on here i wonder uh, how, do you know how many miles that is carl because i mean what if you buy one of these cars you don't you're not gonna well i know i wouldn't be driving it every day you know yeah, I mean, you can still drive it um, to places, but it's not going to be your daily driver. Probably like two, two, three thousand miles a year. Yeah, yeah, pro something like that. I don't know the exact number, and maybe there's there's it varies, um, but uh, yeah, it's a couple thousand miles. You know, um, there we go. So this one uh, happened to be uh, one of the two hundred eighty-two V specs um, in Midnight Purple Two. Yeah, so it's a very rare car. Um, v specs are rare, and then this one happens to be in midnight purple too, which is uh, a rare color. So um, they got the shore display exem exemption, and it's uh, legal here in the United States. Okay. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's the video we did. Um, you know, it's R thirty four will become legal in what three more years, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So at that point, uh, the shore display car if even if you brought it in earlier as a show and display um at that point it just becomes you know irrelevant mm. and you can you can drive it wherever you want to mm. after that oh i like this drone shot yeah yeah you were you were here when we were doing this shoot i was yeah i was there for part of it yeah yeah so uh that is uh, oh. our video and uh go check it out at gtchannel.com or uh you our youtube channel awesome yeah. Uh, you want to go next, James, or you want me to go next? No, I'll go first. I'll kick it off, um, and then I'll sort of uh, I'll wrap back into it, so we can finish off with your segment, Sam, if that works. So I just wanted to touch on any way, any way you want to do it. That's good. I'm glad you listened to me this one time. So I just want to touch on a few things. Obviously, we have uh, some news today from Formula E that they are going to become the first sport with first with certified net zero carbon footprint from inception. So they have reached that point 
okay. of being uh, awesome. carbon, carbon neutral. So I guess that's sort of a benchmark now where everyone has to sort of try and go down this route. So I guess it's sort of, these are mostly leading questions of, do you think it's worth, is that something that's important to other things? Or how do you think that fits in with most of these ones where, uh, we, let's say the environment doesn't really fit in with that kind of business? Is that like for the entire organization, the whole, you know, the production's gonna be? Yeah, so the whole, the racing series is not carbon neutral. I mean, I think it's kind of cool. We have, a, you know, a motor racing series, which is, you know, as environmentally clean as track and field. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, you know, I think there's totally room for it. I think it's cool. I mean, it shows that it can be done, but you know, we still need the formula ones and the WRCs in the you know world and the formula dress, but yeah, having something like that, I think it's awesome. And, you know, I mean, the formula one, the way the gasoline engines at, at some point in many, many years from now, it's going to be a vintage series, you know? Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So this, keeps it keeps the needle moving forward so and I then like and then speaking of that uh sam that sort of kicks me on i thought i'd touch on a few of the series here that i'd like to go through so we're going to start with the wrc they had their last event rally turkey this past weekend um sort of a a, a race of attrition by the end of it uh coming into the final there where everyone uh sort of had uh what could say everyone had damaged their cars from the rocky conditions but it was elf and evans who was able to take the win, even though he probably wasn't the fastest driver over the weekend. It was mm. probably Thierry Neuville who finished second was the um, the the main, but the fastest man. Now, yeah, I guess it's awesome about racing. It doesn't go to the fastest all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but we have had a series obviously where it's very, very close. As you can see there, Elfin Evans is just a, a, a few points ahead of Sebastian Ogier down to Ottenac. Uh, but the real, real one is the standings in the championship. So if you look at the teams, you've got Toyota and Hyundai. They're basically neck and neck, nine points separate them. So I guess my question is, is do you think in the, for the WRC, do you think them winning the WRC championships and getting the, the Toyota being Gazoo Racing and Hyundai being their N brand, is that helping them sell, sell cars, do you think? I don't think it's helping them sell cars in the U.S., I think Europe, maybe. But not I think Europe. in Europe, it's helping them sell cars. And maybe Japan, too. I, you know, I kind of like, you know, okay, the Brits are in there. They're kind of in third place, and they're in a distant third, you know. So, you know, you kind of have the whole rivalry of Japan versus Korea, again, you know. <laughs> so yeah. Might be yeah. some national, national, you know, national pride here online because, you know, uh, on many levels, uh, Japanese and Koreans are, uh, uh, shall we say, rivals sometimes not so friendly i wonder yeah. if this has helped uh you know hyundai in terms of brand awareness and marketing well, in, in europe and you know other parts of oh i uh, think it world. has to have. i mean right? uh, maybe not this year but i think them in the wrc definitely has yeah. well i think also obviously they've got their n brand which is now developed exclusively right. at the nurburgring and they've obviously got their n veloster that they sell here in the u.s um, but I think they're really going to be pushing for that different segments of their market place, I think is where they're going mm -hmm. down. Obviously, Hyundai have their Genesis brand as well as their regular brand. So I guess it sort of gives them differentiation. But we would like to see more Gazoo racing vehicles here in the US, right? But we don't get those at this point in time. Well, the Gazoo racing brand is kind of making its way into the US. They've got plans for... Oh, it's making its way around the world now, you know. I'm yeah, yeah. but in yeah. the US, it'll, 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 it'll it's kind of like... Carl, we could have had a, uh, you know, I, I might have said this last time, we could have had a GT Sport, a GT Channel 
um, entry here in the WRC, and we would have been in fourth. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and now right. well, all we had to do was show up. We would have been on a podium. All we had to do was show up. The podium for one of the races if one of them broke. And then, obviously, I want to touch on uh, MotoGP, Patricia McKeon's favorite form of motorsport. Um, wow. They, they had a, another race winner this weekend, uh, wow. Maverick Vinales. So that means six different winners in the first seven races of the season. Wow, it's like the anti-Formula One. And four points separates uh, the top four, driver, four riders. So it really is without with Marquez being injured, which is obviously incredibly unfortunate for him. Mm-hmm. The, this 2020 season for the MotoGP is is wide open for where it's going. I think there's a might be four races left in the season, something like that, mm-hmm. in regards to who's going to find a winner. So I will say again, if you're not watching MotoGP, you've got to truly be watching MotoGP. It's the best best broadcast that they do online that really is fantastic to watch. The telemetry they give you, it's incredible. Um, obviously, got to touch on uh, the next one, which would be where I'm going through my list here, the, where I guess we're going to sort of wrap it up, which would be uh, Le Mans this weekend, mm-hmm. which some people might have even forgotten about because it wasn't I even... I until I saw texts from my friends in Japan saying, yeah, we won, you know, my Toyota friend. So I go, what? Yeah. Three P. Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, uh, Toyota did get their three peat at Le Mans. Um, now I have a question because obviously who was Toyota competing against this year at Le Mans? <laughs> That's a great question. So, I mean, while Taro's being cynical in his answer of Toyota <laughs> were competing against Toyota, um, while they didn't have the, uh, what is more noticeably? Do you think it's going to be remembered in twenty years' time when they say Toyota won three years in a row and a beer won? I don't know because you know I'm still I still consider Mazda's win the pretty much the real only Japanese win because you know I mean th- that was a full field you know of competitors. There's really no competitors nowadays. Even some of those Audi Audi um, wins were you know just uh, you know it wasn't as you know kind of. Um, and I, I hate to say empty as the Toyota one because the Toyota cars are, they were the fastest. I mean, the other cars, I mean, the other manufacturers, they came in, they would have had a hard time beating Toyota, you know? Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's only when like guys like Porsche and those guys dropped out that Toyota started winning, right? So. Well, there was that year when Toyota were leading on the last lap and then I they know, broke down the last oh, lap yeah. and that's God, when that was, Toyota yeah. came in to sweep in to get exactly. the win. Exactly. That would have been four times in a row, right? Because that was the always oh, that one year before uh, Porsche left. I can't remember now. Yeah, I can't it, remember. But I, yeah, so yeah, someone was. I think Porsche was in that race, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it must have been. Yeah, so it must have been the second, the year before Porsche were retiring, and then Porsche obviously uh, withdrew from the sport because of diesel issues with Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. So they had to put that money to somewhere else instead. Um, so I mean, I've got a couple of snapshots there from uh, Lamar. I mean, and I think it's I think it's too bad, James, because I think really Toyota has put out a really superior, really awesome product out there, and I wish the other manufacturers were involved so Toyota could really say, hey, you know, we beat everyone. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I and they really did. I think that you know, it's I just I just wish they, you know, I, I wish there was more of a there's more competitors out there because I think Toyota would have beat them. So. Yeah. 
I also was very pleased to see that Rebellion Racing did so well as well, who were their main, like, basically competition LMP1. Mm. So it was great. To see. But as you can see, I mean, still, it, to win the race is still a difficult challenge, even though yeah. you'll go there. I mean, look at Trust some me. of the other competitors in the past. Trust me, I, I know how it is to be, break down in, in a long 24-hour <laughs> race. So, do, James, do you, do you know the story about uh, Sam's uh, endurance race experience? No, no one. If I, don't, if I don't know one of these many stories of Sam's endurance racing, Sam's, he's going to tell us all about it. Sam's adventure with uh, endurance race. He's, he's That was uh, my third, no, that was my third 25 hours of Thunder Hill. And I go, okay, this one I'm finally going to finish. I just need to finish because I broke this, I thought the 25 hours of Thunder Hill was a term you spent to use when you had bathroom difficulties, Sam. <laughs> but it's know. not. What, what, what is it with you in the bathrooms today? <laughs> it's Tara set me off on it, <laughs> Sam. I can't help it anyway. So, no, no, go on. No, no, so you're, but, uh, you know, I was, I, we were, you know, we were cruising and I'm, I was the last driver. So I was going to bring the car home, you know, and yeah, it was, the car is running good. And all of a sudden it breaks. Some, this, it, the engine just cuts. This is like going, the, the 24th hour. Oh, we're, yeah. We're, 50 uh, minutes. Last, yeah, I mean, this is like lap. we have 10 it's minutes pretty much the last lap. left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and on third three or four on Thunder Hill, it just cuts. I go, what the heck is going on? And they had to yellow flag it uh, and put me into the pits. And then I watched the checker from the inside the car, still inside <laughs> the car, in the pits. Eight minutes Eight minutes. All I had to do was run from eight more minutes. I would have had to do. We would have had to finish. So that was that. That hurt. So I ran twenty-four hours and fifty-two minutes. That so. was uh, that was not your last time at the. No, at my last Thunder time. Was, remember the le next year I went. You I were just, able to finish the last. Yeah, time. I finished with. Remember uh, Hattori? Now it's yeah. Hattori and yeah. Kazunori. Yeah, yeah right. So. Yeah. But yeah, so so I did finish after the, but I drove really careful, really slow because I did not <laughs> want to. <laughs> so. So anyways, so that was my 25-hour endurance race. Yeah, and but then, I mean, endurance races are tough. Oh, you know? but you know what it was? It was a, a wire that um, was uh, got loose, and it was dragging on the concrete yeah. on the tom on the racetrack, and that uh, shorted something out, and that's what's that's what led to our, our well, DNA. Well, James, you know, he, he should have heard that dragging, uh, you know. I, mean, I should have heard a wire while I'm driving. <laughs> I think it was probably that extra, the extra lunch bowl he had there that made no, the extra, caused the extra, the millimeters down there, you know, down on the weight and track, and that yeah. was causing it. With that, it was dragging. The other, dri was, the other was drivers lean. were a little bit lighter around like, the uh, belt like seven, area. Eight years ago, I was a lean, mean fighting machine. <laughs> I, oh, that last one I wanted to check on is obviously James McKeon's favorite motorsport. Did you guys watch any of the Speedway Grand Prix when I sent you links to go and watch it? Did you send us links? Yes, both of you. Uh, I, I missed it. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, my word. But that's when we have you, James. Got lost in the mail. That's well, why we <laughs> had uh, two races this weekend in which Bartosz Maslik won, both in uh, Poland. And my favorite rider of the moment of the series, Ty Wolfenden, came in second with a suspected broken hand. He was riding with a suspected broken uh, hand. So, you know, Sam, being a guy of, who's traveled the world on motorcycles, um, controlling, yeah. your, controlling your clutch with your left hand, if your left hand is broken, is... It's not, no, it's not, yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's why I said, so Ty is really is quite a battle. But with that being said, we'll jump back to Le Mans. And with LMP1 going away, Sam, we're going into LMH. Do you want to explain what LMH is? Is that the hypercar? 
a correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. So why don't you kick us off with your hypercar and then we can talk about well, the others. Well, I mean, okay, well, uh, mine is the scoop. So um, it's not really a scoop right now because uh, Toyota, oh, sorry, Toyota, um, uh, whatchamacallit, they uh, uh, showed the, this car uh, at Le Mans. So uh, as James, you said, Toyota Gazoo Racing won its third consecutive overall Le Mans 24 hours with its TS050 hybrid car, TSO50 hybrid race car this past weekend. And um, them winning, that came as no surprise, but what did catch a lot of people off guard was that Toyota publicly debuted its GR Super Sports car there too, which uh, you see right here. It took one lap around the SAR circuit, kind of um, participated in the award, an award ceremony thing, and then uh, quickly went away. So according to Toyota, this car is currently in development. So here's what uh, was made public about it um, during the weekend. Uh, it is a road car that's heavily based on the TS050 hybrid race car, the one that won Le Mans. And the main reason for producing this car is to compete in, as James, you just uh, mentioned, the LMHs, LMHs upcoming hypercar category, a new class in endurance racing. So Toyota says, hey, why not make a road-going version of it? Um, I, there might be a homologation um, 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 requirement. Of there is, Sam. So to give you the upside there. I think it's to, 20, 20 units, right? 20 cars. There's 25 cars in the first uh, year. Okay. And then they have to make up to 100 a total in the second year. Okay. So, so that's pretty much what was made public. So what... So now it was time for our otakus in Japan to get to work. And remember, we at PowerSpeed were reporting on this car before Toyota even showed the concept, uh, which was back in 2018. So, you know, more than two years ago, because it was uh, January 2018. So it's almost three years ago at the mm -hmm. Tokyo Auto Salon. Yep. Yeah. So here we go. Because Toyota has said that the Super Sport, and I'll just call it the GR Super Sport for now, will share many components with the TSO 50 race car we can ex expect basically the same powertrain setup. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're, think we're talking a twin turbocharged 2.4 liter uh, direct injection V6 power that powers the rear wheels uh, and then a motor, electric motor powering the fronts. So and they're saying a, a, a total uh, horsepower output of about 985, 986 horsepower, which is a lot of horsepower on a very light body. So the car, that ran around the Sarth circuit in Le Mans, which uh, was driven by a uh, Formula G, uh, Gazoo racer, uh, Alex Verts, And it was a convertible. So now we know there's a drop top version in development and the jury's still out if there's gonna be a closed roof version. Maybe there won't be, you just, there's be a, a, a hard roof that goes right on top of this. Um, for as uh, we just talked about with James, uh, the homologation purposes, they'll need to build at least 25 of the GR Super Sports uh, in the first year. And then did you say 100 in the last? 100 uh, in, the year? in the second year. In yes. the second year, so that's quite a bit. And the media are already anticipating that the number of models of this GR Super Sports will be limited, uh, you know, maybe to the 25 and the 100, just because, you know, they're so expensive to make. But, 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 our otakus are saying not so fast. They're hearing murmurs that although production capacity of this car will be naturally be limited because you know you can't produce as many of these exotic race car or exotic production cars or road going sports cars as you can you know toyota camrys uh toyota doesn't seem to be setting a hard number for production furthermore it seems that toyota is already anticipating 
continue to sell the car for more than two model years. So maybe another model year after that with you know minor improvements like you would with any other car. So Toyota is almost considering this as part of their lineup. When, uh, when does this uh, first uh, homologation model have to go? Uh, They're saying 2022. Okay. So it's, you know, it's, it's coming up pretty soon, right? Because we're, yeah. you know, we're almost in 2022. So, so when it comes to purely the racing aspect of it, they can start doing the cars next year. I think it is 2021 season when they do, but they can also will, can do the carryover where the LMP1 cars will race in that same series for 2021. In 2022, right. it's going to be purely all the LMH cars. Right. So LMH and LMP1 will race together in the same class? Next year, if they want to, yes. Wow. So this like road-going looking car is going to be competing in the LMH1? No, this uh, is a, so, this, so there's two ways to look at a tire. So the car that just won Le Mans, mm -hmm. that's an LMP1 car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If right. Toyota want to stop development on that, Right. I can focus on the new development of the GRSS. They'll be doing that, but they can use the LMP1 car from 2020 to race in 2021. Okay, so there's a chance that this car might be racing, for example, a Rebellion LMP1 car in the same class? Uh, no, this LMP1 goes away. Technically, LMP1 ended this year. So there'll be no more LMP1 class. But the cars are grandfathered in for one season mm -hmm. next year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is nice to have down. a race expert on the panel here. And also the interesting thing, uh, Sam, is it's going to be so the for the actual track car is going to be a four-cylinder car. No, really? Yes, yeah, so it's a four-cylinder. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought yeah. it was going to be the V6. No, it's a four-cylinder, 500 kilowatt car, mm -hmm. limited to 500 kilowatts, and then the electronic propulsion system is going to be 200 kilowatts to go to give it a total of around 700 kilowatts total, which roughly equates to around 970 brake horsepower with both those combined. Okay, for race so, so it'll, it might be a little uh, less power than the than this car. Than yeah, the, no, I mean, it, talking it about makes, 986, it, you know, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense that the road going car is going to be more expensive because they don't have to limit it. And they could even exactly. run, like I said, they could run that car in the, not obviously in race going trim, but they could probably run it effectively very comfortably just under shy of a thousand horsepower without doing very, very minimal changes. But um, that's, I mean, that's the regulations for the field is that's what they are. 500 and 200 for your combustion okay. has to be a four cylinder and 200 kilowatts for the electric. Well, getting what back to what the, kind uh, of a hybrid system does this car have? Um, it's going to be, I think it's a, not the DRS, but they call it an ERS. So it's electronic regeneration system. And it's four wheel drive. So, you know, you have the rear gasoline power in the rear and the engine's actually going to be a mid, mid, you know, mid mounted, mid engine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you have a, a motor um, doing the the fronts, powering the yeah. fronts, and I'm sure it has some kind of vectoring system too. So yeah, so and it's it depends. Like as as Sam said, I think you can do it. You can spread the electric motors out in different ways, but you just have to have the one same system powering all of them. If that makes sense. And does it does it still use the brakes uh, to regenerate? regenerate yes. Of course, yeah. No, of, yeah. Course. Yeah. of course, of course. Also, uh, the other one that was announced um, this past uh, weekend at Le Mans was... Whoa, hold on, I'm still on this oh, car. Oh, sorry, Sam. No, I haven't away. finished yet. No worries. Go, go. You'll yeah, finish. Okay. So uh, there's reports already that there have been orders down for this car from around the world. And um, it seems like because there is no cap on the uh, production uh, number, um, if you're patient, you know, even you, James, and you, Taro, can buy one. Mm -hmm. 
uh, because, but you know, we don't know the price yet. As for the price, you know, there seems like a few numbers have been tossed around in the mil uh, in the media. You know, some are saying like a million dollars, the others are saying 1.5 million. But our otakus are telling us that you know the word on the street in Japan is it might average, it might be in the range of more of you know uh, more in the range of two to three million. Oh man, if it was a million, I was gonna buy one. I know, and I would have I would have got it for your birthday this year, yeah, right? Yeah. To be yeah. fair, oh, to be fair, guys, even if it was one point five million, I was gonna put my hundred dollar deposit down because generally it's <laughs> refundable. So yeah, but I don't know if it, I don't know if it's a hundred dollar deposit though. I, I think it might be a little more. But anyways, $120 deposit this time. Oh, my word. That's extortionate, Sam. Yeah. So anyways, guys, what do you think? Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you think about this car? I mean, what, what, what will it do for Gazoo Racing, um, the Gazoo Racing brand? Will it, you know, uh, is this going to put Toyota in a whole new kind of a category with the Porsches and the Audis of, or not even the Porsche, the, uh, the, uh, the Porsches and the Ferraris and the McLarens of this world? Um, um, you know, they're building a hyper exotic car, you know. I'm wondering what they're going to do with the whole Gazoo Racing branding. That's what I'm well, not I mean, really It's going to be about. their racing brand and their, you know, um, I, I'm thinking it'll be their AMG. So it's a Toyota Gazoo Racing still, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Gazoo, you know, Gazoo Racing, that's Akio Toyota's, you know, that's Maybe. His yeah, yeah, account, yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to be keep, they're going to keep, um, um, I think pushing that, as, you know, as long as he's, he's chairman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's going to be their, uh, AMG basically there. I would M. think so. I would think, cause you know, I mean, TRD is kind of, you know, been kind of, kind of invisible lately, you know? So. Yeah. It's a shame they're not utilizing TRD. It's just become like a, a truck trim now, you know, yeah, unfortunately. I mean, most of the time yeah yeah so. where you know yeah, that's the rear of the be... car you can see it's pretty pretty gnarly you know it's yeah a, it's pretty much a race car but it is yeah it looks like a but a two to car. three million dollar car they're saying but who knows you know maybe they'll say you know we're not going to sell you know 120 of these so maybe we'll bring it down to a million or a million five but right you know that's what our otakus are saying and you know they're right a lot of the times so they, they could you know they're I'm interesting. Oh, I'm interested to see this car. You know, I mean, it's definitely a hypercar. It's like in in the millions. It's uh, you know, be it's going to be compared to like the the Koenigsegg's of the world, right? I mean, oh, I don't know. I mean, Koenigsegg's are, they're so niche. I mean, this is a Toyota. So I mean, I'm but they're only they're making. Like, they're you know, only I mean, making this could a be like a so. Ferrari Enzo almost. You know, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah. I guess so. What but do you they, think, James? Well, they made 399 Ferrari Enzos. So they're going to be making a lot more Enzos than they are going to be making of this vehicle. Um, I think it's very prudent, though, that uh, the that it's going to be, as you said, it's going to be going up against, you know, think of the likes of AMG, M, who are the ones you're going to be competing against. I mean, obviously, AMG are releasing their 1,000-horsepower F1-derived vehicle that's coming out that they've been that's promoting right. so much. Yeah. They debuted here at the Los Angeles Auto Show. What I will say about this car that I think is unusual is they debuted it like this uh, without the what be race trim. Because obviously in race trim, it's going to have a, it's going to be the coupe as opposed to a, an open top roadster like this is. Mm -hmm. So I think this is basically saying is we're going to have, they're going to have more than one variant of it. I mean, obviously they're going to have yeah, that's right. straight from the outset, they're going to have one that's a convert, one that's an open top and one that's not. So 
I mean, it's pretty crazy. I will say it, this photo does make me laugh though, because I think it's comical where the helmets are much bigger. Where they yeah, driving. I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, the headroom's not even close to keeping those guys in there. You know? but no. Also, I will say this: Alexander Burst, he's a tall guy as well. I mean, he's yeah, not a he's, short like, guy. he's like a six footer, isn't he? I mean, he is pretty tall. I think he's taller than that even. I think, yeah. that, and when I've met him, he was very tall, and I don't think he's probably shrunk in that time. So, <laughs> that but old. I was wondering who the gentleman was next to. I even thought this was Sam Matani. Oh, no, no, no. It's one of the, I think the Toyota exec was part of the uh, ceremony. He might be the, he, who knows? He might be the chief engineer. I did. I, 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 I mean, I, I thought our, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't know who he was. So uh, this road going car doesn't even have doors, does it? You're just going to have to like kind of step over the. No, they're doors. They're doors yeah. too? Uh, on this, yeah. on the road going yeah. car? Yeah. yeah. You can see it there. The height, the H, the line, the like line for the doors like between the H and the Y. The, uh, is that a door? Okay. Yeah, the camo makes it look hard. Yeah, yeah. but it's a Toyota, which is kind of cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be nice to be able to, if you, you know, if, if it, you know, like a true Toyota, you could drive it for three hundred thousand miles, you know. So <laughs> I think if he did the service, it'd be rather expensive to, oh be, my goodness, to be honest. I would hate, to, I would hate yeah. to see the service on this thing. But then, if it's yeah. only a four-cylinder, I mean, how difficult could servicing a four-liter Toyota engine be, really? It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it, uh, the road-going one's a V6, so yeah, that's so, right. So. Well, anyways, bring, it, bring it to the dealership. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you could put. You know, you'll, you'll probably be, you know, stuck behind a Yaris or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, so that's that's our report. Where you know we have some a little bit of info, inside information on this. Uh, Did you want know, me to, to touch on the other uh, uh, hypercars that are going to be competing against, Sam? Say again. Do you want me to show you the other hypercars sure, that's going to sure, be competing sure, against? Sure. Sure. So this is the offering from the French wing Peugeot which they also announced the same weekend didn't give too much away but uh, this will be the Peugeot offering so as you can see it's still very similar in the same design of sorts of what's going to be looking at and obviously it's all coming under the same spectrum so they're going to be assuming a four-cylinder mm -hmm. 500 kilowatt engine and then a 200 kilowatt hybrid system so that's Peugeot's offering. I have to say the Peugeot one looks but I think this is the race car, though. This is probably not. The this is the race car. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So, looks pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one, I'll show you the other one. Peugeot's I've got the other car, one. Peugeot cars always look cool. Always. So Peugeot's uh, making a comeback into uh, Le Mans then through this yes. with this car. Yeah. Okay. Good. After their famous battles with uh, Audi. Mm -hmm. And then this is one of the privateer efforts from James Glickenhaus. Oh, oh. Glickenhaus. Yep. So this is his the front. Effort. It almost looks like a Lego. Oh, I yeah. think to be this looks to me looks like the uh, endurance like, racing version of the MC120 from Maserati. Oh, it almost looks Ferrari-esque from you know with the color. Well, yeah. Funny that, right? James Glickenhaus and his. Uh, well, it's Glickenhaus, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, it looks like it's following on from his series of vehicles mm -hmm. in regards to what he's looking to do as a privateer that can compete at Le Mans. So hopefully that's well. Awesome. Thank you, James. No, cool. no worries. Let's sort of help stuff. round it out. That's exciting. Hopefully uh, next year at Le Mans, they can have some fans uh, go in and look at these well, cars hopefully directly. We, uh, maybe yeah. us three could broadcast from there. That would be... Have you ever been to Le Mans, any of you guys? I've no, been. I've not been. Sad. It's a, it's awesome. It's I've fun. Been, yeah, it's, it's, it was cool. Oh, you were? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
I was in the you know, I mean, I was I was a guest at Audi, and you know, you were in their tent. They always have food there. You just watch the races for a few hours. If I liked it, Sam. The first thing that came to your mind was, you know, what the best thing about Le Mans was <laughs> the, food. the food that Audi provided yeah, was the best. Food. Hey, that's, but the, but they, the food was good though. The food out. was oh, good. Man. Yeah, the food was good for oh, sure. Man. So, so anyways, um, uh, well, that's it from my end. Anything else from you guys? No, uh, I think no, that's it. No. No, I think we're I think we're good okay, for, so, for today. Oh no, well let's get the we didn't really ask this, but uh, I thought that was that, it. Come on. No, no, I was gonna say just before our finale here. Before your finale, we didn't really get the thumbs up or thumbs down on the Z Cup. Oh well, I mean okay. I have to stay kind of un, you know neutral because I I do work with Nissan, so uh, <laughs> I have to say no. something. Yeah, I like it. I like there it. There you go. See, that's all you need to say. What do you like about it, Sam? That's what you can tell us. Uh, do you... I do work with Nissan. No, no. What do you like about the car? Not that you like the paychecks from this. And what do you like about this car? I like everything about it. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. So, uh, you know what, James is? Uh, you should show the interior if there is one. I, I, I... didn't. I haven't in the pictures that this eight photos I grabbed. I just grabbed all the ones. Uh, okay, but yeah, the that. interior looks very nice. Oh, the, the black and yellow on the inside looks fantastic. Yeah. So, no, I, do, part I do about... like it. I think I, I like. I, I think it's a good, just a good, a right amount of retro with uh, you know the you know the uh, the future technology theme. But um, yeah, you know, I do think the the grill is a little over emphasized. I think maybe you know they they could tone down the grill, and then I saw some. People, you know, put put a little body colored line in there and stuff, and it, yeah, it actually helped it out. So, um, Larry had a good point. I think the aftermarket guys are gonna, you know, uh, have you know have, have fun with this. So, yeah. But I love the rear because I, I was a big 300 ZX fan. Mm -hmm. So, I'm yeah. sorry, Tyler. The rear, the rear looks exactly like the renderings that we've been showing, though. Yeah, I know. I told yeah. you, hey, you know, best car, our otakus, all those guys. Our know, otakus are doing a good job. Um, you know what? I, I'm not a fan of the grill, um, but like, you know, like, like Larry said, there's going to be, and it's just the bumper, right, in the grill. There's going to be plenty of body kits out there. Uh, well, you can remember, Nissan might fix this too. You know, yeah, because, yeah. You know, I mean, it's still a prototype. So. Exactly. Um, but you know what? I do like the profile, though, from the side. It looks... Oh, yeah. It looks nice. Yeah. That, yeah. I like... I, I think it's really aggressive. It looks cool. Um, it feels was, like it's a little bit more... Um, you know, kind of shrunken down compared yeah. to like less brown than the current uh, 370. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's I got like a nice it. exotic feel to the profile. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I will say that I felt, felt that in this profile shot, especially with the black, the different color between the black roof and mm -hmm. the yellow body, I thought it made this car in this shot in particular look very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say this would be Nissan Z car money. This makes sense. If they're just showing this car and said without the the Nissan Z on the wheels and said, how much do you think this car is going to cost? I would have said this is a $100,000 car looking at it from this side view. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it has, a lot of people are commenting, it has that Aston Martin-ish. Well, I think it's because Aston Martin did the, the yellow body and the black roof. So it makes sense that you're going to link the two together. And then a lot of people are saying, oh, the rear looks like a Mustang. So a lot of, a lot of people are you know, seeing different cars in, in this design. So, um, But the favorite thing about this car is that, for me, is that there will be a manual transmission. And I'm really happy about that, that they actually came there. Yeah, this car needs a manual transmission. Yeah, they're gonna be coming out with a yeah. manual transmission. That's, 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 uh, that's my winning uh, thumbs up for this guy. No, I, mean, well, I, I just wanna fit it with that sequential 
paddle shift as soon as I could. That's what I'd be looking for. Mm-hmm. Feel like getting that faster track time against Taro on the racetrack. Because <laughs> I won't worry about Sam. He'll break down on the last lap. So you and I will win, Taro. So no, okay. I won't. Yeah, I might be slower shifting, but I'm going to be having fun. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, thumbs right. up from everyone, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Thumbs, thumbs up. up for me. Okay. Sorry, Sam, for stealing your thunder. No, no problem. No, you, you never steal my thunder, James. You're, you know, I think we're a team here. We're a good team. So, anyways, uh, James McKeon, no breaking uh podcast um get soon it'll be you'll have it'll be episodes. back at some point at some yeah. point yeah and then um taro koki and gt channel um president and look for more videos right every every week there's a video every week there's a video we have a new uh video uh series we're working on with our our guys in japan again um and uh, you'll hear about it very soon. And um, in two weeks, we have another pod speed. Our special guest will be Frederick Osbo, Formula Drift champion. Oh, okay. He's the BMW guy, right? No. No. Oh, okay. Well, kind of the BMW guy. He's the Supra guy. He's the new Supra guy. Oh, but... yeah. See, I'm right. I'm half right. <laughs> You're half right, yeah. Half right. <laughs> oh, my... and just, uh, just real yeah. quick. Um, um, uh, my first draft of the, or my second or third draft of that, of my, the novel I'm working on is done and there is some interest, uh, from oh. publishing side. So. Is that going to be the one that you previewed, Sam, or is it a different novel? The no, Red this Mist? is the one I previewed. Is that, that the, the Red Mist? That, the one that, uh, some, someone's dad is kind of, kind of. Look, in. Nigel McKean is, uh, Nigel asks me every week for more details yeah. on and the novel. And there is, and there is another, another, his son, the Brit is not, is. Also, kind of makes a little uh, um, 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 cameo, but um, so. Well, be- I think we're all looking forward to this with bated breath, Sam. We're all very excited. Just about, don't let's say read that. the parts that you guys or your wives or whatever in it, right? Read the whole damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I've read everything so far. I don't know. I've been waiting for one. Nigel McKeon keeps wait a minute, wait a minute. You haven't, even read the, you haven't read the prototype yet. Well, Sam, we do think. Oh, and the, there might be the second edition coming out on the prototype too next year. So, oh, okay. wonderful! Okay. With a new, with a extra content, a prologue, and everything. So, oh, great! It's cool. Excited. Yeah. Excited. So, anyways, that's about it. Uh, all right. See you guys all in a couple of weeks with our Supra slash BMW drift guest, um, Mr. Osmo, and that's about it. See you guys and right. pot speed. Bye bye. Thanks for bye. watching.